forth. Well, yes. hello everyone. It is Saturday, April the 4th, 2015. Yay, we're on STEM Seeds Live with Kylie and Amy and Wes. And we have our agendas and I've put on a clean shirt to try to look nice, even though, yeah, it's Saturday morning and some of us are well prepared at school and others are not. So uh, we are going to talk about some lesson ideas and we'll just go around the horn introducing ourselves and I'll start and then pass it to Amy, who will pass it to Kylie. Uh, I'm teaching fourth and fifth grade STEM at Independence Elementary and uh, am uh, still doing a, a bit of consulting with educational technology. Um, Amy? Um, Amy Leffelholtz, and this is my fourth year teaching fourth and fifth grade STEM at uh, Lakeview Elementary in Yukon, and that is what I do uh, full time. And I am Kylie Sanders, and I teach kindergarten through fourth grade STEM in the Piedmont School District, and I actually travel to all three of the elementary schools and spend about 12 weeks or so at each site, so I'm a little bit more strange than the rest, but it is an interesting situation, but I like it. Absolutely. And uh, we, I wanted to next kind of talk a little bit about what's been going on. And we'll talk, we'll, we'll have Kylie tell us a little bit about kind of how she got to, to where she is now. Um, Kylie, what have you been doing lately? And do you differentiate for each level? I mean, gosh, you have to. Well, it, the neat thing with the way this is working, that I have three different sites, three very different sites and in, in, in everything. I mean, newness. So some schools are so new that there's nice things that you have access to. The one I'm currently at is the oldest elementary in Piedmont, so it's not as nice. And sometimes you're battling with just surrounding issues to even get to teach your lessons with different things. And um, so that's I tried to do different. And I tried that with my first school. The plan was to have kind of a set plan for each grade. Well, I learned after two weeks that's not going to happen because I traveled to their classroom. So that was just way too much to keep up with. So that was out the window pretty quick. So then I said, well, K-1 will do the same. And then second, third, and fourth will do the same. And that has been an easier plan because then their standards aren't crazy different. They're not going to be something totally off the wall. Um, so that has worked a lot better to do K-1 and second through fourth. And that's really where I've stuck with um, there's sometimes where every single grade is doing the exact same thing because it just makes sense that it kind of covers a little bit of a standard, even if I'm stretching it to make it make sense with their standard. But if it does, then I feel like it's not a waste of time. So that's what I try to do. And it's it's even tricky sometimes to do that. So. So and what have you, what have you all been doing lately? What have your re most recent lessons been? Well, this week we just wrapped up what I called the erosion lab and we did it outdoors, which was perfect because it was beautiful here. So. Um, they literally got to use sand and pebbles to make rocks. And we watched some videos about how trees can even delay the erosion process because it's not just direct exposure to like a mountainside and things like that. And that was surprisingly more exciting than I expected it to be, because, again, I never got to do that at the first school because there was no way to because we had I had to save 15 minutes just for travel and cleanup to get out of their classroom in time. So I couldn't do that at the first school, which was kind of sad. They kind of got the raw end of the deal. So. If any of my wonderful administrators are watching, that was sad. <laughs> I can't do as much with that school because it's just not time and then you have to travel. So um, the erosion lab was quite popular. Um, the most popular is what's coming next, which is the rockets. And that has been the hit at every school. So I'm excited about that. That's great. Amy, yeah. what's been going on with you lately? More playgrounds? No. No. <laughs> Actually, we have been doing measurement. Um, we... I just got new um, kiddos 
at the week before spring break. And so uh, we finished up with measurement with those kids before spring break. And now we're doing a little bit of measurement review with these kids just as kind of a as I partner with the classroom teacher to show them the measurement skills again and the terms and things like that before they go back and have testing. So and then we'll be starting next week, we'll be starting prosthetics, uh, prosthetic hands for fifth graders and prosthetic legs for fourth graders. Awesome. We uh, I reserve the lab. We're doing Minecraft right now. We just did a, a week and we're going to do one more week. So I have to reserve the lab early to make sure, you know, time wise. And so it's happened that it's in the middle of our hopscotch unit. But we've been doing hopscotch again, which, by the way, hopscotch free app for iPad for coding just added sounds uh, in the last week. And they added the if then block, which is huge, because if you're writing a program, you know, to say, I mean, they have things like if such and such is touching or no, it's an if else block. I haven't played with it yet. But anyway, that's one of my favorite things to teach, because if it, if it works right and it doesn't always, the kids are so excited doing what they're doing that they're begging to stay and not give up their iPads. And, you know, they're they're very enthralled with what they're able to create, you know. So we did a, a treehouse challenge and, and it's a perimeter and area challenge. And basically the kids have are making the coolest treehouse that they can. This year, as I try to get smarter about it, I have a recipe sheet of 24 recipes in Minecraft because a lot of the kids don't know how to craft, you know, a fence, a gate, a ladder. Um, and I've, you know, learned how to sneak, which is when you hold down the shift key and you don't fall off your treehouse. And so <laughs> you can build, you know, your treehouse is larger and they have to have a 25 area, five by five room in their treehouse and then they have a corral. And last week I learned that I can just be in creative mode. The rest of them are in Minecraft EU mode. And that means I have the magical power to put horses or cows or pigs, they're the animal of their choice in their corral when it is a perimeter 24. And so the challenge now is to, with the screenshots, I've had to go around to each of the 35 computers with a flash drive and copy the screenshots and put them on Flickr for us to make an ebook. That's what we did last semester. And so anyway, next next week I'm going to uh, I, I tested this thing called Push Bullet, so they can transfer the the picture the screenshot they make on their Dell computer lab computer directly to the iPad, and I'm going to teach them explain everything so they can explain about perimeter and area. But then also I wanted to teach something they learned or they know about mm-hmm. Minecraft because I have some kids that are just real you know gurus and they taught me how to do painting and stuff like that. So or I don't know what is it called? It's when they do pictures. There's just all kinds of things that the kids know. So anyway, that's been fun. And uh, it's kind of cool to get paid to come to school to play Minecraft and teach Minecraft. So <laughs> everybody, but it's very fun. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Kylie, what is STEM learning to you? How do you define it? And uh, have you had to answer that question for parents this year or to others? Well, it, it from when I first was starting this to my opinion now, it has definitely changed because when I was first approached to do this, STEM was a very different idea. And now I'm actually doing it. And I instantly just think of it has to be engaging or hands on. It's not just a lesson to hear. And then they go and do something for the small part of the class. I've learned that it needs to be the majority of my 50 minutes or an hour needs to be hands on, regardless of how I get to that point. You know, So that's been tricky because. In this young of a grade, having little kids such as kindergarten, they need to be moving the most. So that's been interesting. But when I think of STEM, it's changed from 
this higher level deep thinking mixed in with it has to be engaging but makes sense. So that's it's been it's been interesting defining what really does STEM need to be with our district because I see it so differently everywhere. Everyone kind of treats it differently. So I've I've had an interesting time learning what it really needs to be like. So year one is definitely trial and error. And thanks to Peggy George who's viewing and reminded me, yes, I I'm I'm challenged sometimes with my lock the screen on. So I had I'd locked us on Kylie and didn't have us floating. So now we'll float as we talk. Amy, how's that definition changed for you? Has the de- your definition of STEM changed over the years? Um, definitely. In the fact that when I started, kind of like Kylie, I had kind of lofty expectations, and and I didn't know um, when we started. Of course, four years ago, there really wasn't anything like us, and so um, we were kind of making it up as we go along. And the good analogy that my principal gave me the first year was just like. Uh, you put down one step stone and pick up the one behind you to go forward. So that way we could all, um, you know, we we were just doing it step by step and just figuring out what we were going to do. And I have found that in the four years, I still tell parents when my short way of saying it is that it's hands on math and science projects. And so and I try to support um, the classroom teachers as much as I can. Uh, but at the same time. I am not their content teacher, so I'm not teaching them the all, the math and science content skills. That's what the classroom teachers do. What I am I'm kind of the um, the fun toppings that go on the ice cream sundae. And so uh, I like to do stuff that will stretch their minds about things like that. But I also, um, I mean, obviously I still am partnering with the teachers. But just like with our measurement unit, we were doing measurement relay races. Well, they were going down and sorting, for instance, a apple. Would we measure that in grams, pounds, or tons? So or they had to think that through, or ounces, pounds, or tons. That's not something they would be doing in the regular classroom. But it still is a valid way to learn and to figure things out. And so um, I think mine is more, it just still comes back to that hands-on math and science projects that kind of stretch their brains and then usually I tell parents things like, yeah, we just built um, playground models, 3D playground models this year that we're raising money for to put on our playground. And they're going with fourth and fifth graders. I'm like, yes, because mm-hmm. this is what we do. We stretch them beyond what we think we can. And we're about to start prosthetic hands and prosthetic legs where they're going to have to build a prosthetic hand out of cardboard and straws and other things that they will have to do to, you know, pick up a cup or a leg that they'll have to walk on. And the parents and people in the community usually are very intrigued by how we're able to have fourth and fifth graders think that way and to really think outside of the box and use their hands in a way that they don't often get to in the regular classroom. Okay. So when I was starting this, there was no curriculum for me. It was basically go with it how you feel is necessary, which was kind of good and bad. Um, and I chose to do all of this while getting married. So that was an interesting time frame. But um, seeing how it does need to be a little bit more in my mind of extension of what they already know, not here's a brand new topic you've never seen before, because that's what I feel like I've turned it into. And it makes it a lot more difficult for me because mm-hmm. I'm used to being a regular classroom teacher. That's all I've ever known. So um, do you suggest that for the future years, like even just for next year, doing a lot more collaboration with the teacher of what they're going to do. That way I know exactly what they've already done and be like a step behind them to where then I'm just extending what's already happened. Cause that just seems like a lot of 
Well, if they didn't get to it, well, then it doesn't make sense with me. So how do you how do you suggest I get around that if I'm at a much different level than you are at? It's a lot more tricky. And uh, (laughs) my caution is this, that when you spend too much time collaborating with the teachers, Mm -hmm. especially my fear in the lower grades is that you will become the science content teacher. Exactly. And that's not what you want to be. That's not what STEM is in what we're doing. So, you know, Crystal Butcher at a Skyview, and she does what she's interested in and what she thinks the kids will be interested in, regardless of what skills that the first graders are supposed to be learning. She really loves electricity. And so she does a unit on electricity. She's about to, um, I can't remember. She's doing something this next week, but it's not, it's not all stuff that's just in their skills and it's not all stuff just in their standards. And she just does it and she stretches the kids because her background is gifted and she teaches her STEM program K3 like it's a gifted program that everybody gets to come to. So do you think sticking to the standards is probably what's making some of it difficult for me is because I feel bad if I don't stick to their standards? And here's the thing. I heard you say, even if I'm stretching it to get it there, that's okay. Yeah. Because what we do is stretching. And I think. Not everything I do correlates directly to the fourth and fifth grade math and science Pascal or, you know, standards. I, I get it there somehow or another, but my administration has been very, um, I don't want to say lax because they're not. They've been very understanding that I'm going to hit the skills where I can, but I'm going to stretch these kids and give them an experience that they need to grow and find out more information about STEM careers and to find out more information about how much they might love math and science. Because I think I found when I was sticking to the standards, it didn't feel like STEM anymore. It felt like the regular science classroom. How interesting is that? That's a very interesting comment. Yeah. And something else, Kylie, and I'll share with you, I'll try to put them on our our thing. There are, like, in the math and science – they were given to us last year. It's like the overriding principles in math and science skills. And they're like eight big, broad things like students will be able to construct explanations and design solutions. So those are kind of the overriding themes. And they're much more broad and easier for us to hit with an arrow than maybe erosion and okay. things like that. So that might be a good way to kind of look at that. And, Obviously, talking to your administrators and making sure that they're on board with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I believe they hired you knowing that you would be able to figure it out and they need to trust you to do your job. And I can kind of tell that they are more leaning towards what we're talking about, not you need to teach the science standards because they understand we're not the regular classroom teacher. Exactly. Because I even spoke with the intermediate building we have here in Piedmont, this brand new building that's fifth and sixth grade. And I spoke with the principal the other day and just said, Tell me how your STEM teacher is doing it. Is he sticking to the standards like kind of I feel like I am? He said, not really. And it made, he's kind of was making it sound like, is that what you do? And he, he was almost surprised. So I felt like, you know, I think I need to change the direction a little bit next year. So it is encouraging to know I'm doing it probably a little bit different than I need to feel like I'm doing it. So. And I don't think that starting the first year and really bearing, you know, like grounding yourself in the standards the first year, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But I do think as you're feeling more comfortable as speaking from a person who came from purely classroom teacher, mm-hmm. that's where I started too. 
-hmm. And I felt like I had to do this with the standards. I have to line it all up with the standards. Mm -hmm. And year four, I'm feeling a little more comfortable to just kind of go with the flow. And yeah. you know, the truth is, I email all the teachers and said, like last year at the end of the year, what are some skills that I need to beef up? You know, what do you guys need some more support in? And for instance, one of the um, the things that the teachers told me was that they needed extra support in um, kinetic and potential energy. And so I had put a uh, Rube Goldberg unit in for this year. However, we haven't gotten to it, but we're still working towards that for next year, too. So but that's something that, you know, OK, I can do that, but I'm not going to do it and just. Here is a ball and here's how it rolls. We're going to do like Rube Goldberg and do something fun with it and try to make it more interesting. Okay. So, um, Lee's one of our um, viewers. I saw that. What, yeah, what were those eight broad standards? Where did those come from? And we'll put those in the show notes, by the way. Yes, because I'll have to find them. I know um, Adam shared them with us last year. And Adam yeah, Adam Zadro. And so. I'm not sure. I mean, I know they're not just made up. They're national. Are they the national, the new national science standards? Are they from the NT? I think that may be what they're from, but I think they may accidentally be common core. So I don't want to get roasted for that. So, <laughs> but they right. are nice. And I've used them this year as kind of my broad goal, my goals for this year. And then they, they've made it easier to do whatever I'm doing to kind of focus towards that. So anyway, that's a lot of talk. Here's my no, no, this is all good. And we want to encourage. We're excited. We have some viewers. Yeah. Po post questions if, if you'd like. And we'll try to try to field those. Kylie, my thing, you know, broadly collaboration, problem solving, the integration of the STEM fields together and then the focus on creating a product that we make and that we share and we talk about. Those, those are things that are um I think the focus. Um, Peggy's asking about the show notes link. Yes, if you go to stemseeds.org and you click on the most recent post for, for this show, um, our show notes link is there. And I think it's the second link. The first link is the Google Hangout and the second is the show notes. So I, like Amy, I did, you know, ask teachers. I, I guess I really haven't asked this year. I probably should. But, you know, I said in math, what are some concepts? What are some ideas that, you, that the kids really struggle with? Perimeter and area was one of them, and you totally get this when, because every class when you show a perimeter problem, and how do we figure this? You know, someone says you multiply the sides. It's just super common that they are confusing area and perimeter. So that was that was where I decided to situate, you know, a Minecraft challenge, which is a virtual building challenge, which mm -hmm. does have collaboration, which does have problem solving. Um, which we also, by the way, will explain and practice our literacy skills and our communication skills and how we organize a message and, you know, and learn and learn an app. We did ebooks last semester. We're doing an ebook project in the library now during our end of day trip time. So more kids know how to do that app. But anyway, we also situate it within, you know, some, some math standards with perimeter and area. So, you know, I think the best one of the best things about STEM is the creative freedom to be able to come up with, you know, fun and engaging projects that link to standards, but also, um, you know, are exciting to do and fun. And I'm lo I love what you said about the erosion project and going outside because I can probably count on one hand the number of lessons in school where we actually went outside and did something. And Amy and I interviewed um, 
uh, from Wells, Henry uh, Ingwersen, who teaches in a beautiful place and has his kids being citizen scientists and gathering information about local wildlife and trees and, and different things. And so anyway, it, I, I said last year I wanted to do that. So maybe I'll make that a goal. We'll at least go out one time with our devices and do some kind of, you know, citizen science thing. But that, how did you do that with the erosion stuff? Did you have like some, some tubs of material? Yeah, well, I, I've been very fortunate that with the district I'm at, they're not, um, like some where it's, you know, spend your own money on everything and sorry about that. They, they've been lucky that at every, literally every individual elementary I've been at this year, I've been given a fund, whether it be from the t- principal's account, the school, PT, whatever. So I've been fortunate that I can spend this money and then just get reimbursed. So I went and got, um, Dollar Tree is my friend and got the, um, Kind of like you would put little bread loaves, little small miniature um, aluminum type pans. So every kid got their own or if they wanted to be in a group, then they got to have a larger tub, kind of a just plastic, you know, organizer type tub. So um, they had that little miniature version with a bigger one. And then I bought the sand um, from Lowe's or the local store we have in town, the Stones Hardware and um, bought like pebbles and stuff like that. Again, from dollar stores for this whole project for every single second through fourth grader to do this. I spent probably less than $20 and it's supplies that I can reuse again, you know, minus the sand and things like that, but, um, which was really nice. So, um, all of that and they went outside and packed sand either to one side. We talked about four different landforms they could make. So they either got to do river mountain, um, show wind by blowing through a straw on the dry sand, or they got to do, um, waves. And so whatever it was, of course, river seemed to be the most popular. So if you want to see this, crazy exciting one that these girls did. You can see it on our Twitter page. And it was just awesome because they were screaming because they were so excited that a river was forming. And then the way it shut off and it made a new river because the water curved and the boulder they didn't stop it. And with excitement. How they often? Were literally, it was, of course, it was second grade girls. And they were literally screaming because they were so excited that it formed a new river because the, you know, the rocks didn't block it and it made a new whole river. And so they were quite excited. But that was something that was really fun. What what's your Twitter account? I didn't know you had a, a classroom. It's at Piedmont STEM. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I've been trying. I posted a lot at this school, so I'm getting a lot more posts now. So. Piedmont STEM. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll put the, that in the show notes too. Awesome. And uh, that is fantastic. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Which I had a question too about your um. My, I've had a lot of kids ask about Minecraft and a lot of kids saying, are you going to do Minecraft? And I say, well, I'm trying to plan that for next year or find some way to do that. Because I know that I, when I went to y'all's um, camp that you had last summer, I really learned about the Minecraft and actually playing it. And I liked it. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm going to tell the kids I played Minecraft. They're going to freak out. So can you tell me more about how it would be easy to integrate that or if it's costly or how to even start to do that? I'll say a little and then toss it to Amy because she's she's uh, put her foot into the Minecraft world a little bit this year, too. Um, And Lee Zeitz asked a question about integrating Minecraft in math. So Minecraft, you have to buy licenses for each computer that's going to run it simultaneously. If you only have, you know, if if you have 35 computers in your lab, but you're only going to your biggest class is 25. You know, I buy 25 licenses. We bought 29 licenses last year because that was the biggest STEM class. They can be individually just running it on their own computer or they can connect to a server and you can have a lesson that everyone does because of speed and lag, meaning that the servers are slow. I found it's best to have two different servers and then I divide kids in groups and um, there's a 
a world called the Eco Junction, where they each have their own areas, and they are able to um, build and not be confined to their area, so they don't go grief each other, and they don't, you know, t we would always have trouble when I would be in creative mode. Some kids would always go get potions, make themselves invisible, you know, <laughs> throw splash potions on kids, and then go grief or tear down other people's stuff, and it was just, it was a crazy side to that. Um, and it is still, you know, when you, impulse control is always difficult. And so being in Minecraft and, you know, just help, helping the kids focus on, guys, do you have your five by five, you know, uh, house built yet? Let's get that done. I know you can mine all day long, but, you know, let's let's get that five by five done and having some incentives for them to do after they complete that. So to Lee's question about uh, integrating it, you know, that it that's really just been thinking about perimeter and area and concept development and having a concrete um, challenge for students where they have to, you know, it inevitably happens that with perimeter, they're they're tearing down and they're rebuilding because we say perimeter of 24, but, you know, they're, they're, they're actually counting those. I like that because there's so many ways to do a perimeter 24 corral or whatever rectangle. And, um, the best learning there is the conversations with kids. Okay, show me show me your corral. All right, let's count that. Wait a minute, is that 24? And anyway, those little small conversations with kids uh, are are where we check for understanding, and I think where where the light bulb kind of comes on some. So, you know, this is my second year to use Minecraft, and it def every time I've changed the kind of challenge that we've done. But you know, I'm a fan of Challenges that you can state simply that kids are going to have to collaborate with and work with someone else on and, um, you know, that, that they, they still have, you know, quite a bit of freedom to be creative and to, you know, come up with, you know, their own ideas and things like that. But um, it's something that you just you you um, fill out a PO and, and uh, you know, purchase the licenses. They give you the software that runs on Mac or Windows computers uh, we work with our IT department to have it installed, you know, in our labs. And then I have a classroom, classroom computer, my, my desktop, and then also another Mac um, that I run as the server. And so for this time, for the building project, I opened up the, the world, created in creative mode a, a large chest, put 10 different kinds of items in there so that each group had their items to start building with. I did that in each of the 10 areas, and then every class that came in, we I opened that world. So everyone's like a template. They got a fresh version of that so they could go to their area and start to build. So, Amy, you want to talk a little bit about your experiences so far with with Minecraft and what you guys have done? Um, I am not near as cool as Wes. Let's be real about this. Uh, Minecraft is still overwhelming to me. And so um, I did buy licenses this year and spent a good hunk of my budget to do that. And um, ballpark even like what is it even around? I bought 30 licenses and two, 30 licenses in one server, and it was 460 dollars. Oh. When I only get 1,200 a year, that's a lot of money for me to spend on one thing. So that's why I was like, that's a good hunk of my budget. Yeah. Yeah. And I panic ever so slightly. How am I going to buy duct tape? I mean, these are the real things I have to worry about. So, mm -hmm. um, Minecraft, I tried to do like we did the training thing, like we had done in our STEM Seeds camp, Kylie. We did oh, yeah. the unit. Well, the kids that didn't know Minecraft, um, 
thought it was okay. The kids that knew Minecraft hated it and complained about it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so then um, we tried to move on and I, I tried to help them with that. And I am not very familiar with it. So it was hard for me. It's hard, of course, when I'm doing that and I don't know enough about it to be a real helper to them. Um, and so then we came back the next, like it was like the third day in and my computer that was the server had crashed. And so, um, <laughs> so that day we played all in our own worlds. And so what I had them do, um, was build a house that had a roof and a working door and it had to have a bed inside it. And I'm going to tell you as a teacher, not knowing enough about Minecraft, that was my favorite activity because no one was complaining. And so after they got finished and I let them choose if they wanted to be in creative or survival, because at that point still, we had a lot of kids who didn't know very much about Minecraft and trying to make everybody be in survival when I didn't know how to help them was frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. And stressful for the kids. Yeah. And so, and I didn't want it to be an unpleasant experience for all of us. And so I loved the creativity that I saw and some of the kids that, Honestly, as I say this a lot, there are kids that find success in our classrooms that don't find success anywhere else in the building. And those kids were the experts then. And I would ask, Mm -hmm. hey, who knows how to get um, Kylie out of the cave? And so then the kids, oh, I know how. So they run over and try to help each other. Or who knows how to place bricks here because, you know, Bob can't get his bricks to place in this area. Oh, I can help him do that. And so I love that some of those kids who would not they don't find success at their places. I mean, they're, they're maybe troublemakers or they're just low in class. Minecraft is kind of the level playing field for them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they have done at home or that they have done and they, it just clicks with their brain. So in that aspect of it, love it. But just, I really am interested in trying to figure out how to do what Wes is doing, but I think I'm still quite a bit of novice mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to, to coordinate all of that the way that he's doing it. And so we are doing Minecraft again in May. And now, of course, it's all the buzz in the school because half the school has done it and the other half hasn't yet. So they're all asking me, when are we going to do it? And so we're doing it towards the end. And um, we're going to do I, I haven't decided just exactly how we're going to do it yet, but we may end up in our own worlds. If I'm really brave and have time to sit with Wes and him show me how to actually do the other stuff, <laughs> I would love to do the team building challenges that way. I'm just not fluent in that just yet. Amy, here's an idea. And Shelly and I were, were um, <laughs> driving up to Kansas last night listening to Jenny uh, Ashby, who is an Australian educator that we both met, and she does a Minecraft club with her kids. And it is this thought. If we could find a Saturday before the end of school, maybe it's in May, I bet I could get a couple kids, and, and you could too. We could even like hang out after school, like do a Google Hangout or something to just plan we could do a Minecraft camp. It could even just be in the morning. It could be some challenges for kids. I don't know. I just, the thing that I've gotten with Minecraft is I have never seen the level of like flow, which is when kids, you lose yourself in an activity and the engagement and then the complexity and just like, like Amy said, as far as kids being successful, I mean, who might not traditionally be so, Yes, I have kids, you know, in every class who are able to be that expert and to show and and other kids are. It's just so cool when the roles shift. We talked about teacher expectation or adult expectation. 
sometimes it shifts student expectations of each other. Wow, yeah. I didn't know so-and-so knew so much or they could explain that or exactly. it's just, you know, those dynamics naturally happen. And so anyway, let's let's talk some more about that because um, we are going to have a play date um, on April 18th at John Rex Elementary. With okay. Room 60, it's going to be 9 a.m. to 1, and the theme is going to be Minecraft and coding. And so I know my kids, uh, Rachel and Alex, are going to are going to hopefully be there. And the idea is to play Minecraft, or to, and to give a chance, you know, for teachers to play. And um, you know, even if there's 10 of us there, we've we've had about 15 to 20 there. But that I think that's a key part of getting our heads around it because it, it's like going to another world. It's like going to another country. And then yeah. you don't, it's like you don't know how to drive and you're not sure how to walk and you're not sure how to eat. And, you know, so playing a little bit and having kids show is it's a good thing. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what are what have been some of your favorite STEM lessons this year, Kylie, besides the erosion one? And I don't know if you can top. The girls were screaming with delight when the river formed. I mean, that's a pretty high. <laughs> yeah, I well, I learned at all the schools that there was a really cool interest in like just the body, just in general. And again, I was like almost leery. I thought, oh no, this doesn't cover a lot of standards, and I was like freaking out. But then again, it's nice to know that that's okay. So um, I did the digestive system, which of course you can just see how that can have lots of fun things to go with it. Um, the muscular system, and we just talked about we had like stations and having a husband who teaches high school boys how to lift weights. I got some good tips and I actually had them lifting weights to show some different muscles. So again, I think of all the ones that were, which ones do I look back and see the kids were the most excited or they kept talking to me about it at recess and all that. It was the ones that had a big moving around activity that had some cool fact or some cool thing they never had gotten to do before in their classroom. So like, again, the digestive system, one of the stations they went around to, they got to eat something because then we were talking about some things. And then, so there's just, those have been some of my favorites was the body and then the erosion this, you know, last week. And then rockets is always my favorite because it's fun to see how excited they get to actually launch this thing. Now, how do you, you do rockets? Paper rockets like we did? We do the soft nose rockets exactly like you guys showed me. Um, the only thing I tweaked was, I learned that I was doing a lot of newspaper rolling for that many kids. So second through fourth has to roll their own. I'll help them, you know, tape it down or whatever, but roll their um, own. They, they have to roll their own. <laughs> yes. And that's what I make them roll their own here, but yeah. we just, uh, I do the nose cones for them. To make yes. Sure they're done well. Yes. And then the younger kids, K1, um, I go ahead and just spend an evening at home and I take home a lot of newspaper and just roll a big chunk. And that way, if they want to use that, they can. But I saw with K1, they just wanted to decorate it more. They didn't really care what it was made out of. So I thought, well, what's another light project and what a light thing? But I actually use it as a sad learning tool. I knew it was going to be too heavy. I knew it was. But I use it as a tool for these kids that were just so excited to see it launch. This might be mean of me now that I think about it. They, I knew it wasn't going to go off of the of the launcher, but it's to show them, look how heavy this material is. This didn't work. Look how heavy it is. It's a right. heavy toilet paper roll, or you put yeah. so much tape on there. No wonder it didn't. You know, look at this. So Learning then I always have some pre-made ones ready. That way they get the experience. That way they aren't just crushed. So I just said to him, I said, before we start, every kid, if yours does, this is even through the fourth graders. I said, if yours does not launch off of this launcher, 
you can use one of my pre-made ones that has two little wings on it, not even three or four like we talked about with dynamic, you know. So every kid got to feel the experience, but some were a learning experience to see you shouldn't put that much duct tape. Kylie, can you summarize for people people who don't know the, what this lesson is? How how do the rockets work? What what are the pieces of the puzzle to to get this working? Well, having like I said, now that I've had this is my third school to get it down. I really learned from the last school before I moved to this school. Um, I learned at the first school I did not have enough time to get it done. I did not allot any time, and that's one thing too, which I don't know if anybody understands really how my system works. And I can't remember exactly how y'all's works with how often you see kids, but Every school is such a different schedule of their special schedule. That was tough, too, because the school I just left, um, Stone Ridge Elementary, the way their schedule works, there would be 10 to 11 days where I didn't go without seeing a single class. I, I went that long without seeing one group of kids. So that made it tough because they do, like, for example, maybe like an A, B, C, D. Well, then they start the next day with D again. So I didn't see A for almost 10 or 11 days. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. So that, that makes it harder, too, is because every school is so different. So had they had all the exact same ways they do it, there'd be no issue. But when you get to that school, I had to completely change my lessons almost. Those kids didn't get half the lessons the first school got. So anyway, now that I'm at this school, I learned I'm starting now. Like as soon as this erosion, I'm doing one more quick activity next week with rock candy, doing some chemical and physical changes. But then after that's over, it's already rockets to end the school year because it's going to take – that long. I learned that I want to do um, a design process with it. Kids actually sketching, which makes all these people happy that like the steam that has become so popular with the arts and stuff. So um, they're going to actually physically create and draw their own design of what they think it would look like that would work right. So that's good that they're thinking what they think is going to look right, but might not actually when they start to construct it. So we spend a design day. Um, I've got some iPad apps. They spend a day um, using those. There's one that's more advanced for my second through fourth. That is a NASA. I can't remember what it's called, but it has actually NASA in it. So I think it's either NASA inspired or NASA created, but it has very, very deep thinking what you would need on a rocket. So a kid that put too many um, engines on one side when he went to actually launch it in the simulator, it fell sideways. So it just, it was good. They had a trial and error for that. So that's good. Um, and then again, kindergarten, it's just using this app that they get to design it, build it, and then it just flies and it's pretty cool. So um, design is a big part. Then they're actually going to spend at least a day or two constructing. And then every kid's last in class is the launching outside. So here's an idea for a grant that we should write. Um, we should write a grant to get together some different elementary STEM teachers, probably in the summer, just like for a day, but get paid to, you know, share some of our lessons and, and document some of that stuff as far as putting that out. I mean, that's something, you know, we've hoped with STEM Seeds, and that's, you know, one of the focuses. But anyway, it's that sounds great. I mean, you just mentioned rock candy and physical changes, and, you know, there's several several new ideas there. Are you going to uh, – can you join us for the STEM Seeds camp this year, Kylie? Or I mean, Yeah. Have you said dates for that kind of stuff already or – yeah, because maybe you could help us also as we decide what we're going to do. Because okay. it's selfish for Amy and I to say, here, what do you want? What do you want to learn? You know, what do you yeah. want to? But we're gonna we, we're gonna do some different things. It's not going to just be a repeat of what we did last I, year. I'd love to do that again. I, that's where I learned the bulk of what I wanted to do this year was from you guys. So I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's how I learned so much of my stuff, even just the classroom management pieces about grouping, which which has still been the number one. I I got to a, go to Oklahoma City yesterday um to some to a couple of our neighborhood elementaries and to to John Marshall, but I was anyway we were in a, a class at, at one of the elementaries. It was a special class and it was 
anyway, the it just made me appreciate so much learning from Amy about grouping because it's all about procedures, the kids knowing where to go, where they're, you know, what they're going to do next. Um, it's just those pieces are so important. So maybe we can talk some more about that and, and elaborate on that. Yeah. Amy, before I, we've got, I know we got like 20 more minutes, but I wanted, I've, I meant to ask you at the beginning, how is your club going and are you doing your STEM club with all girls now? And what is, what's yeah. going on with that? Um, yeah, actually, I saw in the, the notes that you were going to talk about that, and I was meant to as well. Um, I just finished up before spring break. We finished up the uh, all-boys STEM club that I did, and that was um, it was a lot of Minecraft and uh, some other building challenges, and we actually did um, a building challenge where from the sandlot, if you've ever seen the sandlot, where they lose the ball over the fence. and so oh, the, oh, the, oh. Yeah. What so is they, that? Uh, they had to engineer a ball retrieval system to try to get the ball back over the fence. So there's a massive dog. Yeah. And so they? I actually have some video of that, of their different um, things. And I basically just pulled out all of my stuff that I, all of my donated trash and let them put together some kind of contraption. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, um, Anyway, so if you haven't seen The Sandlot, you should. It's a really great baseball movie and from the kids. So, and I haven't seen, I tried to see at Google and see if I could see any, um, anybody else who had thought of that idea, who had tried to do that. And I couldn't find any other ideas like that. And so, hey, I may have had an original idea. So, <laughs> but it was, I have these, uh, like kind of brown partitions. And they do have about a four inch, um, gap at the bottom. And so a lot of the kids went under the fence. But it's okay. It's still, um, my partner was in here, uh, my partner that's doing STEM club, Miss Stallings was in here with me and she was the dog. She was the beast and kept kind of knocking their stuff out of the way. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And then with the girls, we just started this week with girls. Um, and because of testing, we're kind of doing it a little different. And so I'm having to do, um, I'm doing, I did Tuesday, Wednesday this week and I'll do Tuesday, Wednesday this next week. And then we won't meet again until May because they, um, wow. it was kind of a courtesy for the testing window. So most extracurriculars are getting canceled, but it was a, anyway, so we're well, not meeting. That's good because no kids would need a break from testing or need to change yeah. their, I, you know, a focus at all. So, anyway, <laughs> so uh, Miss Gregory Ginger had actually um, gotten a kit that was like STEM, it was some camp that they did like STEM for girls or something. So we did a couple of activities out of that um, curriculum just to kind of see what they were and kind of see how that would go. And so this week we did um, this thing called Hampered by Height where we had, uh, they had to do, I gave them a roll of adding machine tape and a pencil and scissors and a ruler or a metric uh, meter stick. And they had to find the average height of the people in their group, but they could only measure once and they could only cut once. And so they couldn't do any math. They couldn't do any adding, subtracting, multiplying, divide. So they had to figure out. And, of course, the uh, the way it worked is if they would use the adding machine tape to, like, you know, measure how long Wes is and then hold that spot and then measure how tall Kylie is and then hold that spot and measure how long Amy is, then they have this really long piece of adding machine tape. So they would bring it to me and say, here's how we are. And I said, well, but wait, what about the average? What do we say about how do we find the average? So to try to get them to think about, oh, 
if we would fold this into three equal portions, that's how long um, oh, the average nice. would be. And so anyway, I hadn't done that before, and I'm not sure I could do that with all of my classes because it was quite a bit of higher level thinking. But we could. I just, I'm afraid we would get really frustrated before we would all get done. And then on Wednesday, we did, um, I've done egg drop in the past, but this is a little bit, it was called protect your noggin. And it was basically, they were supposed to design a bicycle helmet of sorts or a helmet for their egg. And so they they had straws, paper clips, um, cotton balls, one meter of masking tape, and I think that's it. Pipe cleaners, five pipe cleaners. So they had to design something that would protect their egg from at least a five foot fall. So then we went out and um, I let them work individually and figure that out. And then we went out and tested those. And we had probably about um, half of them that were successful. So that was a little different than how I do it normally, because when we do the normal egg drop with the whole classes, they get a box and then they do the protective materials inside the box. And we go drop it off the back of the bleachers. So um, in the soccer field. Anyway, so that's something um, I'm excited to see how it goes. I told Ginger, I said, I don't want it to be just, I don't want to feel like I'm trying to do activities that are just female necessarily. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did offer them Minecraft. About half of them are interested. The other half are like, eh, I -hmm. can take it or leave it. So we may do one day on Minecraft, but we're not going to spend like three days like we did with the boys because they were so enthralled with it. Um, we'd like to do a little bit of kitchen chemistry and some other experiments with them, but I don't want it to feel like we're doing kitchen chemistry because it's girls. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it still challenging because I obviously, but at the same time kind of tailor it more to what science would interest them. Yeah. Uh, George is asking about the advantages, disadvantages of having them separated. What, what, what were your expectations for that? And in terms of your, thought process for having a, this is the first time to try in all boys and then all girls. Absolutely. Well, when I opened it up for applications, I had a lot more girls apply than boys. And so um, as I started doing the numbers and figuring it out, it just, it was an opportunity. And I thought, I wonder what it would be like to do an all boys camp and an all girls camp. I had three camps or uh, three after school programs. The first one was a mixed where I had about half boys and half girls. And then I did an all boys session and now I'm doing the all girls session. And I think in some ways the girls that I have and even the boys that I had that would did the all boys session, they were boys that they're a little bit odd, love them, but they're a little bit odd and they're not going to speak out in a mixed group of people. And they, they don't always get along well with groups of people, period, much less girls and boys. And so it was neat to see them work together and try to figure that out. And, um, you know, without, honestly, some of them without the help of somebody else to kind of bail them out, whether it be boy or girl. And the same thing with the girls that I chose. The girls that I chose are not girls who are very authoritative. Like, they're not girls who would take over in a in a, in a situation. They're not girls who would... Um, like take over the build, they would usually kind of sit back and let other people do it. And I wanted them to have an opportunity to be in a place where they might be the ones in charge. And so that's part of why I wanted them to do, I'm going to try to do as many things as I can independent builds or maybe just with partners 
because I really want to see what their brains, you know, I want to see them. I want to see what they're thinking and I want to see how that's going to go. So hopefully it will be a great experiment to do them separately. And if the numbers work out that way again next year, I will. But if not, then that's okay too. Here's another thought. We should contact some of the, and through like EdCamp and whatever, some of the higher ed folks at, at OU and OSU and then have some of their students come and like do an interview with you and write an article. Like not like we've got lots of extra time to write articles, but what a fascinating real, you know, experiment that's been. And, and even, you know, getting your perceptions, but then also the students about how that's been, you know, good and different and challenging or, you know, and then, then the playground thing too. So I just, I just think you've been doing yes. awesome stuff. It'd be great to, you know, have a, a way to amplify some of that because that I'm fascinated by that. I, I'm running my makers club. We just started our second session this week and, um, it's, it's even. I select the same number of girls and guys. Um, we're running it more like maker, like STEM class with Maker Studio with choices. I I do have a lot of a lot of them that choose Minecraft the whole time. Um, but you know what I'm trying to do is introduce something new each time. They could work with that if they want, or they can go on to do a Maker Studio project or you know or Minecraft. And my goals are to do the make, to show the makey makey. I'm going to use my money to order the circuit stuff with the button batteries to do the little LED light projects that like for, for, uh, the makers fair that where the kids just, with soldering iron. So they'll, we're going to do some soldering and, you know, get those LED lights and then do the jitterbug thing that Shelly did where they take the, the CD, the DC motor, the button battery and they, you know, decorate it with feathers and, pipe cleaners and whatever and and have this you know jumping robot anyway so i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna try to get that some of those new things done that i won't probably do with all of the class but it'll be that that sandbox to experiment and anyway i just the make i think the after school thing is so important for me because it's it's the chance to experiment with new things that i haven't done before see how it works see how the kids respond um anyway and some kids will probably choose to do Minecraft no matter what cool things I show because that's what they, you know, that's just what they want to do. And that's, I, I guess that's fine. Well, and that's what, that's one of the things, Wes, that I told the girls. I said, because they were asking, well, what is STEM Club going to be like? And I said, well, it's in some ways like regular STEM class. But I said a lot of it is you guys are kind of my guinea pigs, for lack of a better way to say it, that we're testing out experiments and we're testing out things that um, I want to see if these will work in the regular classroom. So we need to test it out in a small group to see how that goes, to see if it will, you know, work when we amplify it times 24 classes or times 12 classes. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got about 10 minutes left. Um, we are going to do our picks of the week. We didn't talk about that before we started the show. But if Amy and Kyle, you guys want to be thinking about a website or link or some kind of resource that you want to, to share. Um We've got like eight, five questions left. Kylie, of those questions, which which one do you want to field next? We don't have to go um, down in order. I definitely want to share some surprises just so people can really understand, just not like a pity me, but just the challenges of the way this is set up here in Piedmont that makes it a lot more difficult with some of what you guys get to do that I just can't fathom getting to do myself just because of the way things are, are organized, like even just the Minecraft. Yeah, I licenses. You'd have to get it for three schools, and that's over a thousand dollars. So it's just, 
that's that's tricky for sure is how do you decide i mean you can't decide one school gets to do it and the others don't so that minecraft would be the biggest challenge unless i was lucky enough for our school district to get that for every single school which would you know you never know they've they've surprised me so um that has been definitely a surprise is how hard the traveling has been. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's enough that makes me not want to do it at all because I love the STEM, but that has been hard because um, then it comes in with classroom management that you get to know a kid after a month and a half. You feel like you've gotten their skills down, you know these kids, and then you leave. So it's like right when things get good and things are sm smoothly going, then you leave and you go. So that that's that's been hard for sure is trying to teach getting to know kids like the first day of school three times in a row so that yeah. is very very tricky um i think you guys have already kind of showed me that the sticking to the standards was definitely i was surprised how hard that would be so it's exciting to think about next year already how i can tweak it and it's going to be so much better i can already tell but um that definitely was surprising for sure so um and it's popularity i had no idea it's been so encouraging for me are you a popular get, teacher well, apparently, uh, it's it's crazy and it's encouraging whenever I have people come up to me, whether it be um, people in my district that are parents or teachers or even administrators that say something's going right because it's 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 amazing to me when I can hear a kindergartner say their favorite special is STEM. It's 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 neat to hear kids say that even over PE, a kid loves PE, that they love STEM. And that just makes me so happy. Even when I was gone to the teacher rally Monday, kids said, where were you? Like they were so distraught, like that I was not there. So I've, I've never knew that the excitement level would be there, which almost in a turn makes me sad that they've been missing out in the regular classroom because of restraints for time, sticking to the standards and in the elder grades, sadly, testing is our focus. So it's, it's exciting to see that there's something that is more like the classroom as opposed to music or PE or even computers that they're excited about. Cause it's hard to get kids excited about the core subjects they need to know. So that's, that's been very exciting. I've been surprised at how, how interesting it would be for them because I had no idea they would like it as much as they have. So it makes me feel good. Like I'm doing something right. And, and that's encouraging for me to stick with it. Cause I love it. I found a new passion in myself. So I, it would be hard to go back and just teach third grade. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And an idea for you, maybe for all of us, is to try and gather some of that data, like even mm -hmm. to do a quick Google form that your kids mm -hmm. can fill out on iPad or computer or whatever, you know, just about their perceptions. You know, what is because I hear these stories, but I don't have data. What is your favorite class, you know, mm -hmm. your favorite subject at school? And then then you'd have that as a sheet as you advocate, you know, in your administration and we share that too right because we should amp we should be amplifying that i know for a fact i've got kids their favorite thing over pe which is amazing for a fourth or fifth grade boy to say is stem mm -hmm. and i've got some girls that say that so anyway that's just a that's just a thought because i think it's one of those invisible things and yes we hear people talk about it but if you do a quick survey have a little bit of data being able to show that, showing it to your principal, having them show it to administration, because we need to make the case for this. I mean, there's no guarantee we're going to, you know, keep getting paid as certified people to do this unless we tell our story and let people know how much, you know, how positive this is for kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we're if we're creating an experience that kids are dying to be in, because mm -hmm. I had I had a, a class like because of the snow day. Like before the snow day, one of, a couple of weeks ago, when we knew it was going to be a snow day, they're like, oh, man, I don't want a snow day. They wanted to come back to STEM. It's like, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, absolutely. 
Peggy's asking, do your students, Kylie, who are so excited, go back and ask their regular classroom teachers if they can do some of the same things in their classroom? Has that happened? Well, again, I, I love that I, I the traveling benefit is that you learn what you kept getting questions about at the other schools and you can finally say, hey, I'm just going to do it ahead of time before the questions start coming. So I kept getting teachers saying, OK, what did you guys do? Because they're spitting this stuff out at me and I didn't know what to say. So that's on me that I did not. I try to give them a heads up of, hey, here's what we're doing. So if you want to bounce off of me, then if you weren't going to do that here, you can extend off of me. I'll be the the leader of this topic. So um I've had them going back and, and, and talking about it. So the teachers want to know what it was. So like even just the other day when we were talking about the digestive system, I always do a um, almost preaching to myself about how does soda affect your body. And so we do an experiment with eggs and we soak eggs in water, a regular egg just soaking in Coke and then a plastic egg soaking in Coke. That way we can say, oh, if Coke can eat through plastic, we're drinking this stuff. And so, you know, of course, I know it doesn't, but it's just to give them something to see that it can't eat plastic, you know, in a week. So we're okay. I think it's not going to hurt us that bad. But um, so then as an extension, I showed them, well, here's something else you can soak an egg in. And if you can come back and tell me what caused this, then I will be super impressed. You know, whether it be talking to your parents, do some searching, you know, read something about it or whatever. So they did where they soak an egg in vinegar and it will it kind of turn bouncy. And so I never had the response at the other schools like these kids did at this school. That's what's so interesting, too, is some schools, this topic was crazy interesting for them. And then some schools, this topic, and they were freaking out. But for some reason, this bouncy egg was the hit here at this school. And so teachers said, okay, what's this bouncy egg? And so I sent them the link of how you can tell them, you know, what it, what's causing it to happen, which is ultimately what I wanted them to find out themselves. So I said, don't just tell them, but maybe guide them or give them some topics to go and talk to their parents about or search themselves. And so the bouncy egg was definitely something that I kept getting questions about. So I've learned now, if you want to talk to your kids about this, here's something I told them. They might be talking to you about it. Here's what it was. And then some of them have said, and we did an activity off of that. And I made a lesson out of it. So thank you for a science grade, because that's what teachers are usually asking for is, how can I get some science grades that I don't have a lot of time for? So, yeah, a lot of them have been asking, what did you do? And they just try to bounce off of it if they can. So that's great. Well, Kylie, if you have links to any of those resources that you've mentioned and you want to put those into the Google Doc um, later today and then I can add them later on, I'll, I'll put those as, as show note links because that's definitely something we want to try and do is point people to those other resources because, you know, sometimes that's the that's one of the best nuggets you get from something like this is, oh, I can do the bouncy egg activity or, oh, I can, you know, do the, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, interested in the, the candy rock thing. Cause I haven't done a kitchen chemistry stuff or mm -hmm. thing. And I, I have kids that they're like, they're expecting that to happen before the end of the year that we're going to do something with chemicals, something with, you know, mixing. Yes. Amy, did you want to say something? Oh, I was going to tell you that I couldn't, get I couldn't add the stuff that I wanted to in the Google Doc but I figured out why I was logged in as the wrong person so I'm good now <laughs> All right. I, think I, found, I found those uh, math and science principles and so I wanted to put them in there so other people could find them too good. and then, um, for that so I had sent that to you in a chat but I think we didn't have that open so okay cool yeah if you put that in the doc and then I'll I'll tweet that to Lee Zeitz who was in our, our hangout and, and put it in the show notes. All right. Well, we're close to the end of the hour here and uh, we kind of finish off with picks of the week. Um, I, Kylie, uh, for, well, Amy doesn't have a very long commute, but I've, I've definitely been, you know, I listen to different podcasts as far as the, the commute, not every day, 
Um, but it's it's really fun to to pick things. And sometimes this, you know, the picks of the week are the, the most helpful. So do you have a pick of the week, Amy, something you'd like to share as a link or resource? Well, I don't actually. Um, I will steal from Kylie for a minute, but I looked up the app she was talking about for the rockets, because since that rocket um, thing was actually something that I had done and I'm always looking for ways to make it not just fun, but more useful information as well. And so that app is actually, it's a free app, and it's called um, Rocket Science 101. So I had the I had, had an app from NASA before that just was mostly informational stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But I'm excited to experiment with that one and kind of see, you know, let the kids do some hands-on stuff because part of the management with rockets is being able to, help half of the kids while the other half of the kids are doing something else. Mm-hmm. Like you can't put nose cones on for 30 kids at a time while they're just waiting. So I'm trying to find something for the other half to be doing. So I appreciate that. So and yeah. on that notes, I think simple rockets, that's one that does cost, but it is even the, the rocket science 101 from NASA is free and it's good, but simple rockets is kids will, would spend hours doing that because they, they piece together nose cone, fuselage, diff, you know, engines, you know, launch it. There's different missions and they go so and that's high. That's the one I was talking about that where like a kid put double engine and it fell over as simple rockets. The mm-hmm. one I use for the little, little kids is called Wii Rockets. It has not a whole lot of engineering to it. It's literally just putting pieces together and it makes a rocket look cool. So for you guys, that would definitely be pretty young, but it works good for mine. But the one that I was not even referencing is that one that you found, Amy, which is the Rocket Science 101. And that one's newer for me that I just got at this second school that I was at, so I haven't played with it as much, but the kids seem to like it. It has a lot of things you can go here and it tells you something, then you go here, and so it has a lot of off-branching things. This is the one you're talking about. But the one I was talking about with the engine was the the simple rockets. Okay. okay. All right. My, my pick of the week is um, virtual tours or whatever, or choose-your-own-adventure videos. This is an example of using the Makers Club as a sandbox, I had heard years ago that you can do this with YouTube where you have an annotation that pops up and people can click. And so just like a choose your own adventure, you come to a river. Would you like to cross it or do you continue on down and enter the cave? You know, you can do this. And so we started about a month ago. In fact, Nessa Perez, who's in Lawton, had 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 the idea of of schools doing different virtual tours and then, you know, getting students involved. So. We probably have about 20 short, like one to two minute videos with the kids. And at the end of each one, they say, where would you like to go next? Do you want to go to the pit or do you want to go to the gym? And so this gets pretty complicated pretty quickly when you have all these paths. And so um, I started off on a piece of butcher paper, but that you know quickly was not good enough. So I, I have a Google spreadsheet that lists the videos we've done where they go, but the the pick of the week is a website called ThingLink, and I've used it before, but it lets you put little buttons on a photo, in this case, a picture I took with my iPhone of our open house map, but that is now on our school website and on a little sidebar link that says virtual tour, so you can mouse over, see which one you want to go to. I don't have all the annotations done this next week with Makers Club, I'm going to show that to the kids and see if some want to, you know, continue the virtual tour. And basically they just, you know, show around the room. But 
the kids were most excited about the teacher's lounge because most of them haven't seen that. Oh, look at all the food you can buy. Oh, that's so not fair. Oh, look at the Coke because we have a pop machine. And then uh, we have a new room called the, the what is it called? The, the game room. And it's an incentive thing for Study Island, I think, when you bleed so long in Study Island. No, you don't do that. Um, but you, you Anyway, when it's a reward. Um, but if they have a foosball table and they've got an uh, Xbox and these other things, so... Anyway, it's fun for the kids to be able to do that virtual tour thing, um, and it's been a chance to experiment with this Choose Your Own Adventure. So ThingLink is free, and that's a cool – if you want to make a clickable image, you can do it, and then you can embed it. So. Okay. Kylie, another pick of the week besides We Rockets? Yes. Um, I have found that finding teachers that are doing stuff, that I love when they have blogs and things. So there's actually a website called weareteachers.com, and if you do – slash blogs and then it has a specifically stem blog related information um they just have really cool blogs and just lesson ideas and um i believe that's the one i'm thinking of that they put lots of pictures of what they're doing and so i just i've learned to like the idea of finding other people that are better writers than myself or have the time to do that so <laughs> i i like that website a lot so kylie are you on twitter personally or just with the school account right now I have a personal one, but I find myself not ever using it because when I get on Twitter, it's to post about school. So it's if I do have anything personal to say, I find a way to just include it with my STEM one, because if I'm talking on Twitter, it's usually about STEM. So (laughs) so there's a list that I have linked off our STEM seed site that is um, a Twitter list of teachers. And so that's something that I go to and, and put into Flipboard. Flipboard is a free iPad app and smartphone app or whatever. And so, yeah, that's great. I, I'll have to look for the We Are Teachers. I hadn't I hadn't seen the, the STEM blog, so that's great. Well, anything else you guys want to want to share or say? I don't think so. I, I do enjoy things like this because it gives me a chance to, like I said, learn things that I didn't know and hear from people who are doing it a lot longer than I've been doing it and to let me know I'm not doing it completely wrong. So <laughs> it's encouraging. Yes. Well, and I'll give you just a little, as my principal told me the first year when I worried that we weren't getting to enough stuff, Kylie, that he said, you know, it's kind of like ice cream and you're the ice cream and there's some kids that have never had ice cream. So even a little bit of ice cream is better than no ice cream at all. So kids that you didn't get to do as much with the first school, that's okay because they still got something out of what you were doing, even if it doesn't feel like you did as much. So. Mm -hmm. You just had the unusual opportunity to get to do it three separate times in the same year. Mm -hmm. So you get to learn and how to make it so much better. So the last group, you know, even as a classroom teacher, the last group always gets the best version of it because you've done it so many times. So this school is getting the prime meat right here. That's right. That's right. Well, we want to keep amplifying these ideas and um, we'll do a closing ad for our STEM Seeds Camp. It's going to be June 2nd, 3rd, and 4th at Lakeview Elementary in Yukon. You can go to camp.stemseeds.org to register. Um, uh, If Kylie can help us, that's great. My wife is going to be there to share some of the stuff that she's done. We'll have to... Maybe we'll do a hangout, actually. We'll have to figure out. We've got to do some planning here in the next, you know, month or so. Um, but we've got some an outline of what we're hoping to cover in three days of hands-on projects. And there are at least four teachers from McAllister coming, maybe two more that have registered. Um, and um, There's please. one from Dale, right? Isn't that what the other lady was from Dale Public Schools? Oh, wow. Uh, I'm not sure. 
the lady was that I forwarded the email to you the other day. Oh, did I reply to that yet? I think so. You sent a reply to me as well, so I know you did. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll we'll continue to beat the bushes. I know the State Department of Ed is going to offer some workshops. The Ginger Lumen is coming down from ESDAC in Kansas, from Hutchison to do, but they're trying to target ninth grade teachers and students. So I don't know of anybody else doing an elementary focus deal. So hopefully we can get some more folks. Peggy's put the link into the We Are Teachers STEM blogs and says, fabulous sharing and conversations today. Thank you, Kylie, Amy, and Wes. And thank you, Amy and Lee and any others who've tuned in live. And if you are catching this on a podcast or the video, that's great. Make sure you go to stemseeds.org and you can access our Google Doc where we'll add more show notes as well as links to get to the resources. And if you've got any suggestions for other folks we should interview, I don't know whether we'll do another show before the end of the year or not. I'm excited. We've did Kevin Jarrett here a few weeks ago and now we got got Kylie. And so um, if anybody else comes to mind, let us know and we'll We'll try to get them on because this is it, it's energizing to get to hear these ideas and and, you know, just to have even an hour to collaborate. It's great. Yes. Everybody's waiting on me. Everyone's waiting on me. OK. All right. You guys have a great Easter weekend. Thank you. All right.